I'm so thankful that Marco had a wonderful Thanksgiving, and I hope that all of you had a wonderful Thanksgiving, but yes, Lord? Uh, wow, that light just turned back on. Uh, but I hope that you all had a thankful, wonderful Thanksgiving, but Marco, it's time to turn to more important things, right? Our birthdays. Our birthday month is coming up, and Chris's birthday, and December is birthday month, so it's time to focus on that. Um, no, uh, it is time to focus on uh, Christmas. You know, trees are starting to be trimmed, halls are being decked, uh, gifts are being wrapped, elves will start to appear on shelves very soon, and we'll all start to unfortunately hear the same ten Christmas songs over and over and over again. But it's time to start thinking about Christmas. And we're waiting. We're waiting for presents, for families, for parties. Uh, we're waiting for the, the wonderful season that is Christmas time and all the wonderful things that go along with this Christmas season. But, but, but for some of us, let's be honest, waiting is not easy. Waiting is not an easy thing for, for some of us. I know uh, for, for the little ones in this room, uh, who have already written maybe their notes to Santa, uh, waiting for their presents. They're just on pins and needles waiting. Um, I've realized something about myself over the last few years that I, uh, I am not a waiting kind of person. I, I, I'm not a destination person, if that makes... Uh, or uh, I am a destination person, but not a waiting person. I'm a destination person. I don't love the journey. I, I'm just going to be honest. I don't love the journey. Um, I don't like um, to be in the car for very long, to take trips places. I, I don't want to stop along the road at roadside attractions and look at things. I just want to get to where I'm going. I want to get to the destination. I really honestly don't like hiking to get to the perfect spot. I hate the hiking part. It's miserable. It's awful. But I do like the destination. Um, I don't like the journey. I, I'm not a you know, wake up and smell the roses kind of guy. I'm a grab the roses and we'll smell them when we get there kind of person. Um, I don't like the journey because I don't like waiting. Um, I like the destination. I like what we're going there for, not the getting there part. I know some of you are getting there kind of people. You love the journey and you love the scenic route. I'm just not that kind of person. So as Tom Petty and the Heartbreaker said, the waiting is the hardest part for me. Um, it really is. I don't know how many of you are, are similar. Waiting is hard for you. You know, this past week, we went to Disney World. My family uh, went to Disney World. My in-laws took us to Disney, and there, there's us with Pluto. And if you've been to Disney World, it's all about what? Waiting. You wait at Disney World a lot. Um, Waiting, waiting, waiting. You wait to get in line, to get on a bus, to go to the park. When you get there, you wait in the line to go through security. Then you wait in another line to get in the park. And then if you're early, then you wait in another line for the park to actually open. And then you wait to go get in the line, to get in another line, to wait to get in another line. And then, if the ride breaks, which we had that happen multiple times, you wait some more. It's all about waiting. Wait, wait, wait. Now, my sweet daughter, where is she? She's over there. My sweet daughter, Maddox. There she is. Uh, my sweet daughter, Maddox. She's a lot like me. She isn't too keen on waiting. She does not like to wait. 
Um, so she often asks, how much longer? How much longer? How much longer till we get on the ride? Where, where, where do we get on at? Uh, Mattis, I don't know. When will we get on? I don't know. Quickly that turned into, my feet hurt. Yes, my feet hurt too, Maddox. My legs hurt. Yes, my legs hurt too, Maddox. Hold me. Only if you'll hold me. Um, it was rough. Waiting was hard. But, you know, once we got on the rides, there was all smiles. Um, we were really excited this year for, for her because this was, um, she was big enough to ride all the thrill rides this year. She was big enough to get on on all the, the big rides and all the thrill rides. So we were really excited for her for that. Um, and I got to, to sit next to her, her, sit next to her on most of the thrill rides. And just, she was like, oh, wow, ooh, yee, ah, just smiles and happiness. And she would get off the ride and say, that is so much fun. Because for her, like me, the end, the destination, was worth all the waiting. So again, I, I don't like waiting. It's a struggle. Uh, I don't like the journey. Um, I just want to get there. But oftentimes I find that in waiting, um, the destination is worth it. It's worth it. Um, so we're going to turn our minds this week, uh, if you haven't already. Some of you started before Halloween. Uh, we're going to turn our minds to Christmas. And this is the last Sunday before um, December, and we begin that journey to Christmas. And we begin our waiting. We begin our waiting not just for family, fun, and presents, but we begin our waiting for renewal of our spirits, the renewal of joy, the renewal of hope, that one day peace actually might happen on earth, and we wait for Jesus. So today we're going to do something maybe a little bit different, uh, do something maybe out of my norm of waiting. We're going to try and enjoy the waiting together. We're going to, together as a church body, we're going to try to enjoy the waiting together. So this morning we're going to walk through some scriptures together, and then what's going to happen, I'm going to ask you to reflect on those scriptures with me. So we're going to sit. There'll be a lot of waiting, I'm going to warn you now, there's going to be some silence. Um... I forgot that today was going to be no kids' praise day, so we're going to have the little ones in here with us. Um, and they, you know how they are, we don't like, they don't like to sit quietly, which is okay. This is not, does not have to be time of reflection of silence. This can be time of reflection where we maybe talk to our neighbor a little bit, maybe share a thought, um, maybe ask your children what they think of this. But we're going to read some scripture and we're going to reflect, and we're going to wait in silence, maybe wait in conversation with each other. We're going to wait on our minds to slow down, to reflect. We're going to wait for the Spirit of God to speak into our hearts. So like I said, we're going to read some scripture. I'll set it up, we'll read it, and then we'll wait. And in that time, I'm going to ask you to pray, to think. Again, maybe have a little conversation. Let God's Spirit sit with you in the waiting. Are we ready? Good. Our story is going to begin towards the beginning. We all know Genesis chapter 1 and 2 and how God shapes. Go backwards. We're not ready for that yet. Thank you. Uh, go, uh, we all know how God shapes and forms creation. He establishes land, sea, and sky. We know this. He places the stars in the heavens and provides life on earth. And the most special creation is made in his image, man and woman. Shortly into the story, the man named human and the woman named life, well, they disobey the creator, and they find themselves at his mercy. They find themselves in this situation all because of the request 
and trickery of a crafty serpent. So if you've got your Bibles or your apps, open with me to Genesis chapter 3. Genesis chapter 3, starting in verse 14. So the Lord God said to the serpent, Because you have done this, cursed are you above all livestock and all wild animals. You will crawl on your belly and you will eat dust all the days of your life. And I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head and you will strike his heel. To the woman he said, I will make your pains and childbearing very severe. Your pain, with painful labor you will give birth to children and your desire will be for your husband and he will rule over you. To Adam he said, because you listened to your wife and ate fruit from the tree about which I commanded you, you must not eat from it. Cursed is the ground because of you. Through painful toil, you will eat food from it all the days of your life. It will produce thorns and thistles for you, and you will eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your brow, you will eat your food until you return to the ground. Since from it you were taken, for dust you are, and dust, and to dust you will return. What we see here is God's judgment. A judgment on the man and the woman. Existence will be hard for them. It will not be easy. It will not be as abundant. It will be a challenge. They are no longer near the full presence of their creator. And for the serpent who personifies all that is bad in this world and evil, judgment is passed upon him as well. It says there again in verse 15, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head and you will strike his heel. What we see here is this foreshadowing by the writer. This foreshadowing that evil and pain and suffering will not be the end of this story. From what we see here from the beginning is kind of a glimpse into the first gospel. The first good news from God. That despite death, despite exile, despite pain, despite suffering that is coming, someday... An offspring will be born who will crush death and sin. This is the hope that we have. The hope that we wait for. The hope as we turn our minds to the Christmas season. The hope that we wait for. The anticipation that someday an offspring will be born that will crush death and sin. The anticipation of someone to save us. The anticipated Christ. So as we read that... I want us to take a moment. I want us to reflect. I want you to reflect on God's promise of blessed hope and goodness. So we're going to sit. It may be awkward. That's okay. I want you just to wait in this moment and let the Lord speak to you. Maybe talk with your neighbor. Maybe a thought comes to mind of this and you can share it with who you're sitting with. Or maybe you just sit and pray. But we're going to wait. It's going to be a little bit. I'm going to set a timer. We're going to wait. So let's reflect together on the blessedness of God's hope and goodness.
So the words, peace on earth and goodwill towards all men is a phrase you're likely to see on something if you go to Hobby Lobby this time of year. The world is crazy though right now, right? It's been crazy this year. It's certainly crazy last year. It was really crazy in 2020. But you know what? It was even crazy 10 years ago, 50 years ago. 100, 1,000, 5,000 years ago. I know it seems like right now is the worst that it can get. But humanity has always lived really in this space of chaos and calamity. Wars, violence, pain, scarcity, sickness, plague. They seem to define us in more ways than we're willing to admit. So out of the scriptures, we often hear the voices crying out to God. And sometimes they're pronouncing... God's holy, righteous anger, but sometimes they're, call, they're calling us to a brighter and a better future. So in the book of Isaiah, Isaiah uh, chapter 2, if you've got your Bibles, you can open to that, Isaiah chapter 2. Um, early on, he's going to add some hope to the calamity and the chaos the people of God are facing. So Isaiah chapter 2 says this, in the last days, the mountain of the Lord's temple will be established as the highest of the mountains. It will be exalted above the hills, and all nations will stream to it. Many peoples will come and say, Come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the temple of the God of Jacob. He will teach us his ways, so that we may walk in his paths. The law will go out from Zion, the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. He will judge between the nations and he will settle disputes for many peoples. They will beat their plow, their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nations will not take up sword against nation, nor will they train for war anymore. Come, descendants of Jacob, let us walk in the light of the Lord. When the earliest followers of Jesus read these words, I have to believe that they saw Jesus inaugurating this peaceful kingdom of God on earth. You know, Paul would say that Jesus became for us the wisdom from God. And Jesus would display for us what it looks like to seek peace amongst the chaos. To not pursue in vain fighting. To not pursue in vain prosperity and earthly kingdoms. But to pursue a kingdom of heaven on this earth. And here we are waiting for that to fully take place. But those of us, those of us who are baptized into Jesus, into that kingdom of Jesus Christ, we seek to establish those days to come now. We seek to provide peace on earth now. So next I'm going to ask you to reflect. Reflect on how we can be peacemakers of the kingdom of God on earth. What does it look like for you in your place and time to bring peace on earth? The peacemaking kingdom of heaven on earth right now in this time and in this place. Let's spend a moment to reflect on that.
So as you and I, we wait for peace to take over this earth. We know that each day, though, each day is hard. Each day can be burdensome. Each person in this room is carrying some baggage. Let's be honest. We're all carrying some sort of baggage as we walked into this place this morning. Some pain, uh, some things that hurt and feel so heavy on our shoulders. For some of us, we've kept that hidden. For others, we've been willing to share that with each other. But whatever it is, it weighs on us, right? You know what I, I, I'm talking about. The things that keep us up at night, the things that sometimes we wake up in the morning and it's the first thought in our head. It weighs on us. It's heavy. It's crippling. And we wait for relief. For the people of God, in Isaiah's time, they felt that same burden. Maybe from different circumstances, but still overwhelmed in pain, hoping and praying for relief. So Isaiah is going to say this in Isaiah chapter 9. Nevertheless, there will be no more gloom for those who were in distress. In the past, he humbled the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. But in the future, he will honor Galilee of the nations by the way of the sea beyond the Jordan. The people walking in the darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. You have enlarged the nation and increased their joy. They rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest, as warriors rejoice when dividing the plunder. For as in the day of Midian's defeat, you have shattered the yoke that burdens them, the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor. Every warrior's boot used in battle and every garment rolled in blood will be destined for burning, will be fuel for the fire. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. He will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from the time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. Do you hear it? There's the echo. The echo of the serpent crusher. The being who will bring an end to pain and suffering. It rings loud in this message to God's people from Isaiah. The early Christians would also read this passage and they would think of Jesus. They would see Jesus in this. Jesus breaking the yoke of burden. Jesus himself offering a lighter yoke and a journey with him that is better and easy and good. A child is born, wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace. So let's reflect. Reflect on the offer Jesus makes to carry your baggage. Like I said, you walked into this place with some baggage today. And Jesus has offered to carry that for you. So let's spend a moment and reflect on that offer that Jesus has made to carry our burdens.
you know, as far away from the presence of God that Adam and Eve walked in Genesis chapter 3. The story of the scriptures is a story of walking back towards the presence of God. To be near him is to be fully alive. To be in his presence of abundance and goodness, as Jesus would say, to inherit the eternal life. Again, Isaiah would be writing about coming hope for God's people, and he will remind them that in the presence of God, life is fully found. So Isaiah chapter 55, starting in verse 1. Come, come all you who are thirsty, come to the waters, and you who have no money, come, buy, and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money and without cost. Why spend money on what is not bread and your labor on what does not satisfy? Listen to me. Listen to me. And eat what is good and you will delight in the richest affair. Give ear and come to me. Listen that you may live. I will make an everlasting covenant with you. My faithful love promised to David. See, I have made him a witness to the peoples, a ruler and commander of the peoples. Surely you will not summon nations you, you know not. And nations you do not know will come running to you because of the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel. For he has endowed you with splendor. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call on him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake their ways and the unrighteous their thoughts. Let them turn to the Lord, and he will have mercy on them. And to our God, for he will freely pardon. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. As the rain and the snow come down from heaven, and do not return to it without watering the earth, and making it bud and flourish, so that it yields seed for the sower and bread for the eater. So is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. You will go out in joy and be led forth in peace. The mountains and the hills will burst into song before you, and all the trees of the field will clap their hands instead of the thorn bush will grow the jupiter, juniper, and instead of briars, the myrtle will grow. This will be for the Lord's renown, for an everlasting sign that will endure forever. God has sent a word to humanity, a word offering salvation in his presence, an offering to come near to him. So let's spend a moment, let's reflect on this invitation to his presence in your life. God is offering you his presence. He wants to be near you and I, to be near us. So let's reflect on that invitation to his presence in our life.
So in this waiting, God has offered a word of hope and a word of good news. God has offered a word to bring peace. God has offered a word to carry our burdens. God has offered a word to be in his presence. And as we wait on Christmas and as we walk toward the celebration of the coming Emmanuel, God with us, we see that Yahweh has ended the waiting and has come to us. He has joined us in this mess. He has walked in the physical space of humanity to be near us. He has done this to provide a word, the Logos, the word of life, not in the form of a book or in more Torah, but in the form of humanity, in the form of the Christ, who takes the shape of a baby boy born in the city of David, and he will be called the Lord is salvation, or as we call him, Jesus. John chapter 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning, and through Him all things were made. Without Him nothing was made that has been made. In Him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light so that through him all might believe he himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world and through the world was made, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, or husband's will, but born of God. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son, who came from the Father full of grace and truth. John testified concerning him. He cried out saying, This is the one I spoke about when I said, He who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. Out of his fullness we have all received grace in place of grace already given. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God but the one and only Son who is himself God and is in the closest relationship with the Father, has made known. Jesus is the coming of the promise to overcome the pain and the suffering of this world and to provide the presence of God that was ripped away from humanity. Jesus is the eternal word of God. All things revealed through him. He is the hope of nations and all people. Jesus enlightens us to who God is and provides life in this world. Jesus is all that God has promised to give creation. And in him, we don't have to wait for goodness. We can have it now. We can live it out now. But it takes our willingness, our willingness to live out the kingdom of God that Jesus has showed us how to live out. So let's reflect again. Reflect on the coming of Jesus and the kingdom of God that he has shown us. Think about the example 
and the life that he led and the people that he came in contact with and the lessons he taught and the parables he spoke and how he reveals to us the true nature of who God is and the fullness of God's love for his creation. So let's pause again and reflect on the coming of Jesus and the kingdom of God that he shows us. Let's be honest with each other, though, right? Things are not on earth as they are in heaven. Humanity, we continue to be our own worst enemy. We continue to hurt each other in big ways. But for many of us, we hurt each other in smaller, everyday ways. We shame the image of God in each other. We break the call to be lights to the world. We have pain that happens to us, sometimes of our own doing, but sometimes because of someone else. This world is not the new Eden yet. So what do we do while we wait? What do we do in the meantime? I believe we glorify the Lord in our lives for his goodness, and we pursue the coming kingdom with our lives each and every day. Luke chapter 1, Mary is going to sing a song Starting in verse 46, Mary said, My soul, my soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. For, from now on, all generations will call me blessed, for the Mighty One has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercies extend to those who fear him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inner inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and to his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. Mary, Mary, who will give birth to the serpent crusher, knows that the hope is coming and God is faithful to his promises. So as we await new creation, out of the ashes of brokenness, God has rescued us. May we magnify God in the same way that Mary does as she prepares to give birth to Jesus. Let's reflect one more time. Let's reflect on new creation and the rescue of humanity through Jesus' arrival.
Jesus is bringing new creation to this world. Let's spend a moment to reflect on that. And as we wait for Christmas to arrive in just a few short weeks, it's coming. Christmas is coming, and it's about to get really busy. It's about to get really hectic. might get very stressful, but Christmas is coming. My prayer, my hope is that our lives will reflect the cry of the heavenly hosts so long ago when the Messiah entered humanity. Luke chapter 2. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. And everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea. To Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there... The time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the day, the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and on the earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. So we reflect. We reflect on seeing the glory of God in Jesus' arrival this Christmas. We reflect on the hope that has come into this world because of who Jesus is and because of God's love for us. So let's spend one more moment reflecting on seeing the glory of God in Jesus' arrival this Christmas season. Like I said, it's about to get busy. It's about to get crazy. I know if you're like me, your family's calendar is filling up with 
events and activities, all of this Christmas cheer and wonderful tidings that will come upon us. And it's going to feel overwhelming and it's going to feel like we're drowning at some point with all of the things and activities. And so I wanted us today, I wanted us to pause. I wanted us just to wait, to rest in the presence of the Lord together before it gets crazy. And to reflect and to think about what is coming. My hope and my prayer for us today is that as we wait on Christmas Day this season, my hope and my prayer is that we will reflect on the presence of God in our lives as he has come to provide peace and hope and salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. We're going to sing a song here in just a moment. And as we do, if you need prayers, we'll be up here, uh, myself and a few of our elders, and we'll have a prayer room. We have our prayer room in the back if it, you need to go back there and want to talk. One of our elders will be back there. My hope for us this Christmas season that, is that we realize that as we wait on Jesus, as we wait that we know that God is with us. That we see in all the moments this Christmas season, we see his goodness despite the pain and the suffering in our lives and in the world. We see his goodness and his hope and the salvation that has come through a baby so long ago to rescue us, to draw us near back into the presence of our God, our creator, who loves us more than anything else in this universe. Let's stand and sing.